Today, uh, we are wrapping up this series called Prestige, and this series is based on the idea that years ago I watched the movie, and there was a movie called The Prestige, and it was Batman and Wolverine became magicians, and it was this whole thing I said the first week. If you missed it, you got to go back and listen to it. But anyway, in this movie, um, they're trying to come up with the greatest magic trick of all. Now, prestige is this word we often use, and we think of like prestigious things. We think of things that are um, amazing, things that we chase after, things that we seek in our life. And the reality is that sometimes these things that we think are prestigious, when they actually become a part of our life, um, it's actually a letdown. And the word prestige in Latin actually means to deceive. It's an illusion. It's a trick. And so this whole idea, we've been every week kind of putting things out there that many times in our life we think are the goals of life, the path that we're supposed to take, the destination we want to end up at, only to realize often that it was a trick. It was an illusion. And it actually doesn't lead us to where we wanted to go. Now, this week, we're going to kind of wrap that up. And last week, we got really personal. And this week, we're going to kind of double down on that and talk about you as individuals and me as an individual and kind of where we're going in life. Now, one of the things that's true um, is that often we see people that they're on a certain path in life, they're in a direction in life. And we know that as we look at them and the choices that they're making, that it's not going to end well. Right? Do you know anybody that you just look and you're like, this is not going to end well? And what happens is they end up getting to a place where they realize what's going on or there's a break in the relationship or there's this thing that happens. And all of a sudden now there's like this mess that kind of goes with these choices and decisions that they have been making. Now, we all know someone that has made a mess of their life, or maybe it's a season of life they've made a mess of, or maybe it's a bad relationship choice or a bad decision choice. And here's what happens. And maybe if you're close enough to this person, you say it to them, but a lot of us, we don't say it to them at all. We just kind of think it. And here's what we think. They should have seen it coming. You ever said that? Like, they should have seen it coming. They should have known that was how this was going to end. And so here's the thing. Let's just be honest. All of us in this room have had seasons of life where we find ourselves in a mess, or we've headed in a direction, or we've invited a relationship into our life that was not going to end well. And here's the thing about messes that we make in our life and bad decisions and bad choices. It will always eventually catch up with you, right? Now, a lot of us, especially younger people, we don't think that it does, um, but anybody that has any wisdom and experience knows that it always eventually catches up with you. And, And here's what happens, is when we have these moments where these things have happened in our life and we look back at kind of the mess that we've made of our life, of our relationships, of our friendships, of our marriages, whatever it is, What happens is when we start to look back, if we ever get to that point, because a lot of people don't do this, and we start to look back at the pattern of things that led to this mess, what you often see is there's like these dots along the way. And some of us, if we're smart enough, we get to the point where we say to ourselves, I should have seen it coming. I should have seen this coming. And here's the crazy part about this is that for some of us, Um, When we look at the direction we're headed in life, when we look at the choices that we're making in life, here's what happens, and this is where some of us are at. We know intuitively that financially, professionally, academically, with it's a friend, a relationship, morally, spiritually, listen, we already know where it's headed. But what we do is instead of facing it, we just choose to look the other way. We refuse to acknowledge that this is where this is going to go. 
right? And it's easy seeing other people. You ever know somebody that's gotten a relationship and they're in a relationship with just a jerk or just a bad person and it's not gonna go well and you know it's not gonna go well. And you know what happens is eventually they get to this place where they break up with that person. It ends bad. They're in a lot of pain. Girls are crying. Guys are like, whatever, you know, like that type of thing. And we're in this moment and you know what ends up happening? They end up getting in a relationship with basically the exact same person. <laughs> and they just choose to avoid that they know this is headed. And we see it all of the time. But it's not just relationships we do that. We do it with a lot of things, right? And here's where we're going today. And here's the thing. See, some of us, we eventually arrive at a destination. And we want to act surprised and shocked we ended up there. When in reality is if we were just taking a little bit of time and kind of looked around and listened to some other voices and kind of thought about the things that we were doing and saying, right, we would have saw this coming. And here's why this is important. There is enough unavoidable pain in life. You know that? Like there's just pain in life that you're not gonna be able to avoid. And so why would you set yourself up to add all of this extra pain and heartache in your life by doing these things, by saying these things, by heading in this direction and not taking the time to think about where you're headed? Because the reality is most of us, if we're honest, we would have seen it coming. Now, this all stems from this thing that we taught years ago. It's been about three or four years since we kind of really dove into this, but it came from a book that I read years ago called The Principle of the Path. And so let me explain the principle of the path. It's real simple, okay? So here in about a week for Father's Day, I'm going to be heading to the beach. And I love the beach. You know, I joke about leaving you guys for the beach, but I just love the beach. Just like my happy place. I know for some of you, it's the same with you guys. And just setting out on the beach, not doing anything for the day. It's just amazing because <laughs> I'm busy all the time and just have a week where I'm like, I'm not busy. It's great. Now, when I go to the beach, my favorite beach to go to is in Destin, Florida. You guys, Destin, a lot of Destin fans. I know it's a big thing for Kentucky. And so Destin, Florida. Now, here's the thing. In order to get to Destin, Florida, what I need to do is I need to get on the exit right here and I need to go 65 south, okay? And so here's the analogy. Let's say I get my truck loaded up, we have all of our suitcases, we have all of our bags, we have our sunscreen, we have my beach hat, we have our cooler full of drinks, we have our swimmies, we have our floats, we have everything that you need to go to the beach. So our intention is that we are going to the beach. And I get on 65 right here, and instead of going 65 south, I go 65 north, all right? It doesn't matter how much I intended to go to the beach, which is south. If I go north, I'm never going to end up at the destination I want to end up at. Now, now for some of us, eventually, we would get into Indiana and we'd be like, this doesn't look right if you've ever seen a map. And you might be like, okay. And then eventually you get to like those weird windmills, you know, just past Indianapolis. You guys ever been that far north? It's super weird. And you'd be like, okay, this does not look right. And eventually you would say, oh my goodness, I need to turn around because I am not going in the right direction to end up at my destination. Now, if we know that when it comes to travel and we know that when it comes to geography, why do we not know that about our lives? Okay, and so the simple thing is this, that it's direction, not intention, that determines your destination. And if you would allow that principle to be the thing that helps you make decisions, not only personally, relationally, but spiritually, and ultimately with the person that God has created you to be, if you just stop and ask that question. Now, here's the other thing I know, okay? We all in this room want to be fixed. 
And what I mean by that is we want our problems to go away. And so what happens is all over the country, every single week, there are people that meet in rooms with pastors and counselors and psychiatrists and therapists and all of those types of people. And those are all great professions. And there's nothing wrong with those things. In fact, you should go see those things, especially if you need help. There is no stigma with that. Everybody needs a little bit of help sometimes, okay? And here's the thing. But we go to those people, and here's what we want. We want them to fix our problems, right? I've got a problem, I need you to fix it. I've got a marriage issue, I need you to fix it. I've got stuff with my kids, I need you to fix it. I got stuff going on at work, I got stuff morally, I got stuff mentally, I need you to fix it. But here's the uncomfortable truth we never talk about. Every pastor, every counselor, every therapist, everybody who sits in these rooms and hears this knows this. There are some problems that just can't be fixed, right? There are just some things in life that we have to wrestle with, that we have to go through, that we have to deal with. And here's the thing. Not only are there certain things that we can't just fix, most of us want a quick fix, right? You ever been to a counselor once, right? How did that work out for you, right? Okay. Like we want the quick and easy thing versus the hard thing. And see, here's what happens is we don't just need a quick fix. We need the opportunity to change directions, And when you change direction and you start making choices based on the direction that you want to head in your relationship with your spouse and your kids and at work and morally and financially and spiritually and all those things you want the quick fix for, when you start to head in the right direction, you'll be amazed at how much the other things in life start to all of a sudden come together. We need a different direction. Now, now here's the thing about going in the wrong direction, okay? And, and I'm not trying to judge anybody in this room, and you can argue with me about right direction, wrong direction, whatever. That's not the point. But here's what I do know. There are a lot of us that are going in the wrong direction, and we don't realize it because right now we're happy, right? You know people like that? You ever met somebody that's happy, and you look at all of the circumstances in your life, and you're like, this is going to end really badly really soon, right? But in the moment, they're happy. And see, here's why this is true, right? You don't realize the moment you get lost, do you? Now, I know all the guys in this room. I've never been lost. Okay, (laughs) wives, you don't know the moment sometimes your husband gets lost, do you, right? You just don't know. And if we knew the moment we would get lost, guess what we would avoid, getting lost. But we don't know the moment sometimes. And so what happens is sometimes in life, we're going in a direction and on a path. And listen, we think it's okay. We think it's good. We think because we're happy right now. And here's what this ultimately is. And you know this from your past. So don't argue with me because this is true. What's really going on is the bottom hasn't hit yet, has it? It hasn't dropped out. And the consequences of the choices and the direction that you're heading haven't settled in your life yet. And so, because everything seems to be going well, you don't know that you're going in the wrong direction because you never took the time to stop, look around and ask myself, are you ready for this? What's the destination I wanna end up at? Because when you ask yourself, what's the destination I wanna end up at? Whether you're on the right or wrong path, it's gonna become obvious what direction you need to head. Now, okay, because you're at church and you didn't come here for like a spiritual pep talk or whatever, here, or a self-help talk, here's the thing, okay? Even all that's true. Jesus actually talks about this, and he actually gives us a brilliant insight into this idea of making sure you understand the destination you want to end up at and helping us get there to direction, okay? So there's this powerful message that Jesus gives 
Um, and, and today what we're going to land on specifically, and there's a whole lot in here, but we don't have time to get into all of it, is he points us to a destination that most of us in this room would be satisfied if this was our destination. Just like we talked last week, if most of us, our lives could be defined by faith and love, we would be happy if that's what described us at the end of our life. Here's the destination he's going to tell us today. The destination is to create a life that can sustain the storms of life. To create a life that there, listen, and there's going to be distractions and obstacles. So when you're, when you're driving somewhere and you're going on a trip or a vacation, if your kids aren't with you and you're going there, there's a whole other story we'll talk about some other time. And so you're going somewhere, I'll just tell you real quick. If you go on vacation with your kids, it's a trip because it's just as much work as anything else. If you go on a trip without your kids, it's a vacation, right? So that's the difference. All right, so here's the thing. You non-parents will get it one day. So there's enough things in life that are trying to distract you, Okay. I am a sucker for a good gas station. Anybody else, right? Wall walls down in Florida, Bucky's in Texas. You see me one of those things, I'm stopping. I'm a sucker for good gas stations. I'm like, let's see what their soda tastes like here, okay? And so, if I, and my wife knows this. I, if I see a gas station that looks cool, I'm gonna stop. And, and here's the thing. There are so many distractions and obstacles when you're trying to get somewhere, okay? And a lot of that stuff's not a big deal. If I stop at five gas stations, who cares? I'm not gonna save us, but... There are big distractions in life that will get you off course, and it's not a big deal. I mean, it's a very big deal. Now, it, it, here's what, what happens. So Jesus, he gives this talk. Now, here's your homework for the next couple of weeks, because I don't have time to read all of this, and we've studied a lot of this anyway. You need to read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, right? If you don't ever read anything else in your Bible, although you should, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it's referred to, and you've probably heard this term, the Sermon on the Mount. And it's this discourse that Jesus gives about almost everything in life when it comes to direction and things that appeal to us in life and things that detract from us in life. It's this brilliant teaching. In fact, it's so brilliant that many people refer to it as one of the greatest speeches ever given. And so, and not just scholars, biblical scholars, but a lot of people. And so Matthew 5, 6, 7, and what you'll discover and when you read this is a lot of the things Jesus talks about are some of the guiding principles that still guides us today as people and especially in Western culture and in our thinking. So Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he gives this great discourse course, basically just about everything when it comes to direction and destination in life and obstacles that get in the way. And you owe it to yourself to read this. Because, And here's the other thing. We, we have this in the, the Bible and Matthew put together, but all of these things he teaches, we see in other parts of the gospels, which makes people think, especially scholars, that Jesus gave this talk a lot. Because this is really important stuff over the three years he's doing ministry. This is just the one time it all gets recorded together. So do it for yourself. Read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and nothing else. Now, at the end of this particular speech that he gives, it's referred to as the Sermon on the Mount, he's going to give us a parable to kind of solidify what he's just talked about, all right? Now, if you grew up in church like me, and especially if you went to VBS, you know this story and you'll be tempted to sing it, okay? Don't, okay? Um, so he's wrapping up and he's at the end of this incredible message that deals with almost everything we deal with in life and all of the internal and external struggles that we find ourselves dealing with in life in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And so he ends and here's what he says. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and actually does them. So what he's talking about is everything that he just talked about. So if you hear these words and you actually do them, he's going to tell us something's going to happen. Now, here's what I know about most of us in this room. We listen to a lot of things. We rarely do anything about it, right? And so the promise Jesus gives is, listen, you don't just hear it. And here's some, here's some of your religious experience. You know, you know why some of you come to church? 
you come to church because you expect me to talk bad about you and make you feel bad about yourself. And the worse you feel bad about yourself, the more you feel like you've connected to God, right? And that what we do? We go to church to feel beat up, like we're not good enough, like we haven't done everything right. And the more we feel beat up and not good enough, that was a great religious experience. And we walk away and we rinse and repeat and do the same thing the next week, all right? That's messed up, just so you know, okay? That's not the way it's supposed to be, and it's not the way that Jesus operates. You should read the Gospels. They're fascinating. He doesn't do that to people, okay? Now, he warns them about things and tells them about things, but Jesus does not consistently beat people up, all right? And so that's just this weird thing. So here's what he says. is anybody that hears my words and actually does them, okay? And so he continues. Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice will experience immediate relief relationally, financially, and emotionally, right? Doesn't say that either, okay? Because that's not what he promises, right? Because here's the thing. See, we want easy fixes. Jesus understands how the world works. There aren't easy fixes sometimes. What he says, if you want to kind of get in the right direction, you have to acknowledge the problem, as we're going to see, and do the hard work because Jesus understands how the world works. He understands how you work and I work and people are complicated and there's all of these things. And just so you know, if you ever go to a church or anything like this where somebody gets up in a microphone and they say, if you pray this special prayer or if you give this amount of money or if you do this thing, all of your problems will go away and you'll be fixed, okay? You need to run away fast because it's not true. And it's not the words that we get from Jesus, all right? Here's what he actually says, all right? He's not giving us a quick fix. He invites us to a different direction. He invites us to a new destination. He points the way forward and points the way out of some of these struggles that we find ourselves in. That's what he just taught us in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So here's what he says. Anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. And here's what I know about every man in this room or listening to this at some point in human history, right? And I'm assuming it's true of women too. You want to be considered wise, don't you? You want people to respect you, to respect what you have to say, to respect what you do. You want to be considered wise. And so he said, anyone who hears these words, you can't just hear them, but puts them into practice is like a wise man. And here is my best understanding and definition of a wise person. A wise person is someone that understands the past is connected to the present and the present is always a good indicator of the future. That's wisdom. It's the person that understands the past is connected to the present and the present is always a good indicator of the future. That's wisdom. That direction, your current direction is a great indicator of your destination. That's wisdom. It's how wise people think. And so anyone who puts these words of mine into practice is like a wise man who built. Now, here's another word, built, okay? Um, I cannot build anything. I can't. Um, I have tried, and it does not go well, all right? Um, some of you in this room, that is a gift and a skill you have been given. You're able to build things. I cannot. I understand the process of building things, okay? But to actually build something out of wood and nails, it just, it, I go into anxiety thinking about it, okay? Now, here's the thing. When you build something, here's what that means. It's a process, isn't it, guys? You can't just say, oh, I'm just going to throw this together. That doesn't work. 
It's a process of drawing it out and measuring things and taking the time to make sure everything, the materials are right and the materials are good. And, you know, my father-in-law, we go buy two by fours. He like looks at it. I just throw it in the cart. Like it's wood, right? It's going to work, right? But no, you, you have to understand the process of building. And so Jesus says, it's like building something. It's like building a house, that your life is like building a house, which means it's a process. You have to look at it. You have to analyze it. You have to make sure you have the right things. You have to make sure you have the right steps in mind, all of the equipment that you need. It says your house is like a life. Your house is, your house is like your life. Your, your house is your relationships. Your house is your money. Your house is your pastime, your leisure time. It's all of these things. And he says, a wise man who builds his house upon a rock. Now, if you're a builder today, here's what I understand. You don't want to build houses on rocks, right? We, we build houses on foundations, which we dig into the ground, but you actually don't want to build your house necessarily on a rock. Now, in their culture, they would understand what this means because this is very specific to the world that they live in. In their world, you would want to build a house on a rock, and the reason it is is because to them, rock is something that can stand the test of time. And the other part of this is this, is that rock, building something on a rock is hard. It's tedious. It's more expensive. It takes more time. It's more time consuming. You have to have a better plan. And so you put all that together, and what Jesus is saying is, a wise man is someone who builds his house on a foundation that will last, even though he realizes it's going to take more time and effort and energy, okay? But at the end of the day, ready, it's going to stand. It's going to be able to stand up against the things that could come in and try to take the house down. At this point, he introduces a second character, and he says, this person was a foolish person. Now, here's what I know about every man in this room, and I'm going to assume about women too. Nobody wants to be considered a fool, right? When you think of the way people describe you, you do not want to be considered foolish. Now, he describes this foolish, and in this foolish person, what he does is rather than build his house on the rock, which takes more time and thinking and effort and energy, he's going to build his house on sand, now, we hear that and we go, okay, if you're investing, you don't understand now, building a house, what's the big deal? Well, this is the quicker way, this is the easy way, and their audience, see, we don't understand this, but when they said they're building their house upon the sand, everybody would have groaned, like, look at that idiot, right? Like, what is this guy thinking? Because Jesus understands, see, that, that when you build your house this way, the quick way, the easy way, the immediate way, listen, it might seem good in the moment, and you might be happy in the moment, but you haven't thought about the future, you haven't thought about what could come into your life. See, the assumption of the fool is this. See, when he's building his house, it's going up quicker because he's building it on sand, not on the rock. He's not having to think about it as much, and it probably looks nice, right? But here's what the fool doesn't consider, that today's weather, because it's probably nice when he's building this house, will be tomorrow's weather, because it never is, is it? See, he, his assumption is that whatever I'm facing today is gonna be the same thing I face tomorrow. And so I don't have to worry about the foundation. I don't have to worry about what I'm building my house upon. But here's the thing, it never is, is it? So the story goes on. Jesus says, the rains came down and the floods came up, right? Don't sing it. The rains came down and the floods came up and the stream rose and the winds blew and beat against the house. And with a great crash, the house of the foolish man fell. And the shame of this story is this, and this is the point that Jesus wants to get to, and this is where we've been going with this whole thing. The shame of the house falling 
and the house being destroyed and destroying what this man has built and maybe even destroying his life is this. It didn't have to be that way. He had a choice. He had a choice on what foundation he built his house. He had a choice on what he's going to build his house with. He had the choice, but he didn't think about the destination that he wanted to end up at. He didn't think about the fact that he should build a house that can stand up to the storms that may come. See, you may not know this because I don't talk about it a lot, but the reason I'm in ministry, the reason that I do what I do is, this very reason is that for years I spent time working with middle school and high school kids. I still love working with middle school and high school kids. In fact, this week I'm going to volunteer for a week to go down and speak every day to a group of 150 middle school kids. I love middle school and high school kids. Some of you can't stand middle school kids. You're, they're the greatest. They're just, they're so good because they still think everything's funny. And so... Um, and, and so here's the thing. I love working with them, but, but here's the thing. So about 10 years ago, I see students making choices that are going to change the future they could have. It's going to change the direction and destination they're going. And so I wanted to help students. But here's the thing. About 10 years ago, I realized that me talking to middle school and high school students wasn't fixing it. You know who I needed to talk to? You, the parents. And, and so about 10 years ago, we, we made the change, because I still love middle school and high school students, but I realized if I wanted to make lasting change, it was the parents I actually needed to talk to. And so the thing that drives me to do what I do is to see people make choices that's going to affect the destination they could end up at, because they just don't see it. They don't see the idea that direction determines destination and it breaks my heart and it breaks your heart when we see people make a mess of their life and it could have been avoided if they just taken the time or had people willing to step into their life to help them see that the direction you're going in, not your intention, always takes you to a destination. See, it doesn't matter how much I want to go to Destin. If I get on 65 North, I'm never going to end up there. And see, here's the thing. If I get on the interstate right now and I drive to Indiana, and hopefully at that point, guys, we're smart enough to admit we're going the wrong direction, and we turn around, you know what? 30 or 40 minutes have been added to the trip. No big deal. But if I go the wrong direction long enough in life, you can miss your 20s. You miss your 30s. You can miss your first marriage. You can miss seeing your kids grow up. You can miss the opportunity to connect with your grandkids. And maybe most of all, you can miss what God has planned for you in your life when he created you. You can miss so much. And here's what some of us that are wise know is that sometimes when you miss enough, there's no way to regain it. And so when you see someone who's living in the wrong direction and they're happy and convinced it's okay, sometimes we have to say, hey. And it's heartbreaking to me, not because you are or aren't a Christian. I mean, I want you to become a Christian, but I, that's not the end of the goal for me. It's just heartbreaking because here's what I know about all of us. You only have one life to live. And here's what's extraordinary, is that your Father in heaven even if you don't recognize him, even if you don't acknowledge him, 
He sent his son into the world so you could know what God is like. And Jesus said, I'm going to show you a different direction, a better path forward. And the truth is, and you know this is right, we can't wish away or talk our way or even pray our way. It's taking the time, the hard work, of asking, what direction am I heading? See, the principle of the path is simple. Direction determines destination, morally, financially, spiritually, academically, relationally, emotionally, and with your most important relationships. See, here's what I do, what I do. Everybody in life is going to end up somewhere. It's unavoidable. We all end up at a destination. Our goal is to make sure we end up at a destination on purpose. 